how do you go about making your voice sound like someone else's? And why would you? I'll be chatting to a bunch of people who can answer those questions and many more as they reveal the dark arts of impressionists. I'm Simon Lipson, and this is Making an Impression. I'm delighted to welcome to Making an Impression today a brilliant voice artist and impressionist, Terry Minot. Terry, how are you? Perfect. Thank you for having me. No, it's a delight. And I've, I've got to just say, this is where it started for me with you. 2009, I think it was, I stumbled across a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was you sitting in a comfy chair doing a yeah. bunch of impressions to the camera. And at that time, I was still performing. And I thought, oh, shit, another bloke is better than me. I didn't know you. I didn't know your work. Uh, and you just kind of, there you were, appearing before us, doing a bunch of unbelievable impressions. Where, where had you been? Because I guess you were in your, what, mid-30s at that point. Yeah, I was, I was about 35 before it gets going. Yeah. Um, I'd been in bands, you know, I, I, I got a record contract when I was about 21 and then that sort of folded just about the millennium. And then I tried to carry on songwriting and then it wasn't until about 2004 when MySpace opened its arms up to comedians that I started going on there. Yeah. Uh, and, but then I'd done stand up from 2004 till 2006 and then I gave up cause I was just terrible. It, it really is. Uh, <laughs> when you say you were terrible, is that because obviously you can do voices, you know, mm. beautifully. So was it because you didn't feel that you were a comedian in the in the strict sense, somebody who went on stage and who could just be funny, that you were too reliant on the voices, or what? What was what was holding you back? I think it's time. I think that everything's battle fatigue. You know, they always say when the, all the old soldiers got uh, in the second world war none of them they all just hid behind a brick wall until about battle three if they survived and then they actually started aiming at something and i think that's the same with stand-up that's why i'm not really a fan of britain's got talent and stuff like that because i think you've got to earn your stripes and you've got to get shut down and you've got to take those lonely tube ride homes where you go christ that was an abomination when you do really well at stand-up there's like a, a huge circle around you of really pleased people and when you do terrible there's a huge circle of nothing as people yeah. spread throw themselves up against the wall to get out so, right. just so to true. give it enough time and i didn't really know what i was doing just starting with your kind of musical career, you had the record deal. You, I think I read on Wikipedia that you supported Faithless. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So there must have been an opportunity there. You must have seen something could have happened and you could have got big and, you know. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it didn't. And what, what, yeah. what held, well, well <laughs> only because I, you know. I've, There's so I've, many bands, is, you know, you're probably yeah. better off as a comedian. You're probably better off as anything else. Bands are just, they're so they're so big and... All my career, it's just snakes and ladders where suddenly you're, you're in, you know, you, you, you climb in your bed at three in the afternoon because you're feeling sorry for yourself uh, and the whole world's not doing And then all of a sudden you're, you're battling off uh, a work, you know, and yeah. then it completely disappears. So it's, it's up and down all the time. Yeah. But yeah, we did a tour of the UK with Faithless and then we ended up in Brixton Academy playing in front of about 2000 people. And then yeah. the following Friday I was back on a building site being a laborer. It, it's yeah. just part and part. I wish people could see it. And I think it is actually quite good to talk about, not to say that you will fail, 
but to say you will have many steps back and then you will charge forward and then you'll yeah. stumble fall over it's just it's a game a lot of the people I've spoken to on making an impression are musical you know they've either had musical careers or they're very musical in the way that they approach voices and so on you know so it's it's something that you kind of hear the music in a voice don't you when you're doing an impression but Clearly, you had this gift uh, of mimicry, you know, which predates your career in music. So mm-hmm. going back to your school days, were you the kid in the playground doing all the voices or was it something that was kind of very much a little, little private pursuit? Yeah, I, I, I was grade A mental at school, you know. Um, <laughs> people would get cheesed off of me. Uh, they couldn't talk to me for weeks. I was being something, you know. Yeah. It, it just went on forever. When you say you were being something, were you you inhabit some character and and just yeah, I would. I remember one thing talking to someone the other day, and they told me about it. They went to school with me, and apparently, I had a metal paperclip remover, and I bent it and fashioned it into a pipe, and I just walked around school all day, going like uh, like spaghetti westerns, going maybe <laughs> maybe not. And in the end, my mate was just pleading with me, he said, "Please speak to me. I'm so lonely." And I'm like, "Maybe maybe not." And it was like, it was, it was bordering on, um, you know, it was, it's that sort of comedy that isn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're kind of amusing yourself with this, uh, this odd behavior, but were yeah. you picking up on voices then? So were you doing impressions, you know, in the, yeah. in the formal way that all of us did? I, and I go back further than you, but when I was at school and, you know, I'd be the kid going, uh, you know, Ricky Benet, what a marvellous stroke that was, and all that yeah, kind yeah. of shit. So who, who were you doing in your day? I think it, it would it would just be all the Star Wars stuff, and it would even just be like, you know, I, I lived in a village in the middle of nowhere, and I, I had a friend there, but he his dad was a, a woodwork teacher, so they would just disappear for the entire summer. So uh, I was always walking around thrashing um touching giant hogweed and thrashing stinging nettles and going, Luke, I am your father. That was, it was just a form of entertaining myself, really. I do, I do, uh, you know, whole like ridiculous radio shows in my head. And then when I start van driving at about 18, I just carried on. Sometimes I wouldn't turn. You know what it's like. You love love the sound of your own voice. And uh, (laughs) sometimes I'd drive up to Scotland and I'd realise I had no voice at all and uh, (laughs) doing my own radio show. Which voices then in particular, which impressions were obsessing you in those days? The the funny thing is, I think uh, I'm 45 now and my voice is dropping a lot. So I can't even recreate the old ones, but I I think the first thing that I did, I mean, I was doing all sorts of, of madness uh, on the old clunk click, uh, even on reel to reel, you know, just inherited reel to reel from the grandparents and you'd just put that on. Yeah. Uh, but I think my maths teacher, she had a very, she had one of those voices that was, at, and, I, and I just took the leap to, um, it was Julian Clary at the time. And I, I can't even do it now. I thank you. But I just used to walk good. around the school. <laughs> yeah. I just used to walk around the school all the time going, I thank you. Yes, it is. But I've not been able to do it anymore. And there was one kid at school that did a really crap Frank Spencer, but because he owned it and did it all the time. Yeah. See, that's a lesson for you. I never got the plays at school. It was yeah. always the kids that was really bolshy and sparked up all the time. But he'd do it all the time. But when I was on my own, I'd uh, I'd walk around giving it the old, you know, just that sort of stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's the him and Keith Chegwin had, you know, have that, and and that's when you start not studying because I mean I'm quite ropey. I, I just have a go at stuff, and sometimes I hit it, sometimes I don't hit it at all. But you get that yeah. sort of like <sighs> those uh, sort of things that, and and you know, even like Zoe Ball and a few other radio presenters that do that breath before they they're talking and they're talking that okay coming up you know and it, that's where you start picking up bits and bobs and looking at stuff do you think you, know. you were you were doing that instinctively you know in in the sense that you know here's a voice something something's just entered your head you, you weren't looking for it it just suddenly was there and you didn't do a lot of processing of the sound you just thought i've got it here it is i've heard it and i'm reproducing it was that was that more your method than the sort of the yeah. forensic breaking down of, of voice? yeah i don't have i don't have forensics because i don't treat impersonations as property i don't treat them as analytical or good uh, i think it's all smoke and mirrors and i think it's like the old michael kane not being you know he's not spoken like that for years but uh it is people want to hear that you know and as soon as you start doing a proper michael kane people are like well i don't know i want to hear not a lot of people know that i mean gosh it's really big and uh one of the questions was not teaching but learning stuff and uh, I ended up being like the voice coach on uh, on, on a mo- mockumentary, as they call it, for um, when Teresa went up against Boris. And I wish I'd never done it because I couldn't no. teach anybody anything because it's your own process. You know, I treat it like sculpture. It's like a big bit of wood. Yeah. And I whittle and I whittle and I whittle away. And then somehow, somewhere, I'll be left with something that works. Do you take pleasure in finding a voice that other people don't do? And I ask that specifically because we're looking back at your old reel from 2009. You did Arthur Lowe. Yeah. Well, I still, you, you got that all the way through the mimic, uh, which is my show on Channel 4. Yeah. You've got people going, we're not going to use that. And because and Matt Morgan is a good friend who, who wrote it and came up with the whole thing, he was like, oh, no, come on, please, let's use that, you know. But, yeah, Leonard Rossiter and all those ones yeah. that you just grew up with that yeah. sort of stuff, you know, that was maybe a little bit too old for yeah. me, you know, cause I'm, I'm like a, a wee tiny kid in the eighties, but you just grew up with all that, you know, Mr. Yeah. Bump and all that sort of stupid boy. Uh, <laughs> and, and so you wanted to recreate it and you'd be surprised because it is channels that Bosch a lot of stuff and they will go, don't do some topical stuff, but less people will get more of a kick out of a nice Leonard Rossiter or an yeah. Arthur Lowe than they will out of doing an up-to-date, you know, cook that no one quite cares about. Well, ab- you know? absolutely. I mean, on that, again, going back to that particular piece of video, you did Bill Nye, and I've not heard yeah. anybody do Bill Nye. I do uh, his adverts. It's really weird. So I always try and get this across when I'm on telly or anything, but it never quite sits. But the point is, you'll know, there are so many advertising agencies with so many people that you think that people would get me in and go, this is the guy who does, they don't even know who the hell you are because there's so many channels, there's so many things. But I've done Bill Nye's and David Attenborough and Michael Gambon's adverts for about the last two years. Not done Michael Gambon in a long time, but I just, they get me in to do the animatic, you know. So just explain how that works. I've, I also done, I've also done similar work where, you know, they, your agent go, can you sound like Chris Eubank? Because they want Chris Eubank to do this advert, but he's not, he's not interested in doing a, you know, he's not interested in coming in to, to see what it sounds like. 
Yeah. I, mean, I, did, I actually did one of these as David Mitchell. He wasn't available. You know, I started doing David Mitchell or something. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, Webb was, in, was playing Webb. And I found that quite daunting, you know, but that's the kind of thing that <laughs> yeah. ad, ad agencies get you to, to do. Let's take some of these voices because it does fascinate me because you've got quite a gravelly, deep voice. I have, I have now, but you yeah. can still hear it if you listen to it. It's quite high in its register, but I can get to grips. Like when I sing, I can only sing very, very low. Right. So I have to pick round on the deep side of, of what's going on. Give me a little burst of your Attenborough, because I, I just want to have a listen to how you kind of manufacture something which is in a, you know, quite up here kind of voice. I can't do Attenborough, yeah. of course. Uh, and then we'll, perhaps I'll, I'll pick one off the, off the menu to, to demonstrate the lower register. Oh, well, uh, I've just been saying the same shit for years. It's like my, it was like my stand-up, uh, and it's things, I call them anchor points, and that's how I learn stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, when I did Morgan Freeman, I had to learn that. I'd done it for an animation. It was awful. Uh, they got me back next week, and I had to learn it in a week. But I just walked around everywhere going, that was the first time. That was the first time. That was the first time. That was a, like a you know, Woody, Woody Woodpecker. Yeah. Um, but with Attenborough, it's... Um, our planet is the only planet in our solar system to sustain life, and it does so in abundance. <laughs> That's great. I always do him. I always do him like he's uh, sitting on an anthill as well. <laughs> Notes to accompany the series. That's lovely. I, I, I love how you, you you create a little picture in your head in order to to give the. Uh, impression an extra dimension that's that's interesting and i was talking to you know, people like alistair mcgowan is always trying to imbue his impressions with a, 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 some kind of character some kind of uh, motivation and it was kind of very actively approach to uh-huh. getting a voice uh-huh. taking something then in the in the but I was going to ask you to do Paul McCartney only because it makes me laugh so much. Yeah, yeah I just can't. I, it's weird. Like, I split the, that and Shatner, I split the board on. Like, <laughs> I was told not to do that ever again because it was... This, and then I was... I live in Brighton and I was down the pier and somebody came over and started quoting some, like, 22-year-old quote in the 2009 clip, Shatner. And I'm like, what? I don't... And my girlfriend's like, he's quoting you, you pillock. But I just loved, I heard a documentary about Paul McCartney and his, uh, his um, old driver from the Beatles, his chauffeur, said he went round and he'd made uh, a load of furniture out of soap boxes. And he's like, Paul, you're one of the richest men in the world. Why don't you just make it? And he, was, he just said, well, I, I got then that when they came back from the tour, someone had even put a Christmas tree up for him and he just wanted to do something. Yeah. So then I'm always doing that thing where I just love the idea of Paul McCartney and Twiggy in a little hatchback outside B&Q picking up a bird table. I just, it just cracks me up. Uh, and we did a, we did a load of stuff when we were prepping for VIP where it was like just me walking along Kentish Town High Street just going, I wake up round about three, you know, round about 2.30 and I make a video, even if I haven't got a song. Uh, and it cracked us up and we took it in to show the channel and they went, don't get it, don't get it at all. But we just, oh, I still, I see the director every now and again and he's like, wake up about 2.30 and make a pop video. <laughs> But yeah, it was uh, that was the one that got it. It was um, me and Twiggy, which is great, right? You know, right? Which is just beats. 
Which is great, right, you know, because he's always doing that thing where he's like an uncle, where you go, Paul McCartney, you're really cool. And then he goes, coo, and he does that thing that's just like, oh, yes, yeah. please stop. Actually, you, you do your Paul McCartney quite in quite a, a deep Yeah, well, he is, he, is very, he is very gravelly now, you know. Coming down, you know. So, uh, so he is right, but I don't, you know, like I always say, I always bosh stuff on the head if it's more than two pages or even more than one i can't maintain an impersonation for longer than 15 20 seconds would, would you say time. then that you you see impressions then as a as a kind of cartoon thing you know where you, you're kind of extracting a moment because we talked on previous shows about how you know, no no one has got the same voice for every occasion. You've got different voices. You've got different sounds that you make all the sure. time. So you're picking out almost like a, a little photograph of the thing that is maybe the most recognizable thing so that mm. your audience picks it up straight away. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I did a couple of auditions for Alan Rickman and uh, still people come to me and just say no potter no and then all i've ever done with that impersonation is just and there's guys out there that are far better than me i think you uh interviewed charlie hopkins oh charlie yeah he's morgan freeman just blows me out of the water but um it's like just little tiny chunks of just something that i can maintain for a little bit i'm so dyslexic some days i wake up and I can't read certain sentences and then the next day I can. So I think I live in a hearing world and, you know, I, it was about 28 before somebody told me that was words, you know, it's not painful. There's no paint involved. It's painful, Terry, stuff like this. And I'm not even, I I just heard it once and went, right, that's it in, because I can't see anything I can kind of pick. And I know for me, how I work is like a three thread. So I'll get the bottom range and then the mid-range, and then I'll just pick a quirk that goes in there. So like for the old Terry Wogan, the old Terry Wogan goes right down like that, and he's talking down, and he almost goes really cro- croaky like that, but then he goes right up like that, and then he goes <laughs> even further. And yeah, I always find that you know if you can get three threads yeah. of a voice, you're doing well. If you can get two, you, you, can, you can make it fly by and pass. But like Brian, the Brian Cox thing I did, that I still get people saying to me now, it's shit. I just sound like the bloke that used to go, chase me, chase me. That's all that all it is. And something. What about something like uh, James Earl Jones? You, you do a, a really kind of resonant, almost, almost as if you got an echo going on around your natural voice. How you yeah. I don't know. I think I, I don't know, you know, uh, and I'm not being awkward. I just, when I, I thought I was, a hot shot when I was working on the BBC telling people how to do voices. And by the end of it, I wish I'd never done it. And the the truth is it's your instrument. And if I'm a guitar, someone else is a violin and someone else is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And and it's almost too hard to do, but yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're picking sort of notes out of stuff. Who are we talking about again? Sorry. uh, James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah, James, sorry. Uh, skip back onto Wogan. Yes, but I can only do that. I'm yeah. looking for my son. Have you seen my son? That's it. But that's all <laughs> anybody's ever interested in. Yeah. I mean, I think in Conan, he turns up and he goes, perhaps some time on the tree of woe. And that's it. It's, it's that, again, it's that sort of, it's that cartoony thing, isn't it? You're just picking out the thing that, that people are going to recognize. I was talking to Lewis McLeod who did an entire show as Jeremy Vine. 
on uh, Radio yeah, 4. Yeah, I, I, I did it with him, yeah. Oh, you did it? I didn't realise that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how he maintains that impression. For... I would say Lewis is my favourite uh, my favorite impersonator uh, that I've worked with because mm. he it's like he doesn't give a shit, but he actually does. But he's just good. He's just like a gunfire. He just goes in and does it. Yeah. And so he's like talking to weird to me and he's going like all this stuff. And I just went to France. We just fucked, we had a lot of drinks and he's like, and they go action. And he goes, gang, gang, and he goes, goes straight into it and does it. And I'm like, bloody hell, I need like an hour to prep. I knew Lewis wait in, you know, way back. We used to do a few radio shows and bits and pieces together. I could never quite work out. Oh, he's got that great gruff uh, Glaswegian yeah. thing going on there. And suddenly it's Jeremy Vine and he's doing that sort of thing. And I, I don't know how he's <laughs> making that transition. It is, it is extraordinary. Um, no, what? well, that's the thing. It's like it's horses for courses. I can't keep it going more than 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. He can keep it going for, for ages. Yeah. He is one of my favorites. Well, I think he's a craftsman. Well, I don't think he'd ever call himself that, but I, I think he really is. One of the impressions that you did, I think it was on the Mor- Morgana show. Morgana, is that how she pronounced her name? Morgana. Morgana. Morgana, sorry. Um, did, did you do Adrian Childs on a sofa? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it was a sofa that was traveling on, on wheels. I can't yeah. remember the setup. Of did that. they put that in? Did they put that in? Yeah. I thought that was just an. We spent all day driving around this place, and yeah. there, there was a BBC sports commentator. I can't remember his name, but he just hated us. We just poodled around this village all day on that. It was one of those surreal times. But I used to do John Peel, but then I had to retune it for Giles. And. Um, I've never got it back. I couldn't go backwards. Couldn't go well, Yeah, we, we just spent the whole day going around talking to people, driving up to people in, in this motorised. And it had a mini engine, which is like one of the worst. And it just kept overheating. It could well have been a, a trailer or something. But I just thought, oh, that's Giles. That's Adrian Giles there. And, you know, you have grey hair as well. And I wouldn't say you look like him, but the No, no budget, was... but yeah. <laughs> Really nailed that voice. He, I mean, I, I listen to him quite a lot. On um, he does a show on Friday on, on Radio Five, and he he just seems to go and uh, and uh, the yeah. uh, and I think, what the f- how is this bloke a radio presenter? <laughs> yeah, well, you get a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving on then from in 2013, you've mentioned it already previously. Mm-hmm. You starred in a show called The Mimic, and I think it went to two series. And it yeah. was about, well, go on, you t- t- tell me what, it, what the concept was. Well, we'd got to build it, which you don't always get to do, but we had some really good backing and Channel 4 were backing us at the time. So we built it slowly and it was about Martin Hurdle, who uh, just was one of those guys who never said the right thing at the right time, never said anything at the right time and never really got it together, even though he could do really good voices. So he was a bit annoying to sort of, uh, watch in his everyday life but when he opened his mouth up as something else he would just fly a little bit but we did it and did the opening sketches a little three minute section that got us towards the pilot and uh, he was a bit more cocky and he was on the phone trying pretending to be Christopher Walken getting some sort of a glamour model to send him nude pics and then we sat back and watched it and went well he's really annoying isn't he so <laughs> we had like three or four 
tasters before we even got to a pilot and we just built this beautiful thing and then we were just all sitting around and somebody said get joe hartley involved because we'd we'd seen it before on, on this is england and dead man's shoes and um once we got her in and neil maskell it sort of inherited a drama sort of feel yeah. it wasn't a comedy was it it was poignant because your character was was a bit of a loser just yeah yeah with this amazing based on gift. me <laughs> and, the, uh, and and it was also a kind of um, a muted love affair, you know, an unexpressed love affair going on between yeah. the, 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 the two main characters. It, I started to feel like I, I didn't even need the voices. I think it worked entirely on its own merits as a, yeah. a, a comedy drama about these two characters. Did you feel that, you know, in, in the end, there was a, almost a sense of shoehorning the voices in because... Clearly, you know, you're brilliant at voices and almost like a shame to waste them. I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, it, it did drive the story, didn't it, in the end? Because he, he was, he found himself in a, a studio and started doing a load of voices and hey, hey, presto, someone's hearing it and thinking, hang on, this, what's this, you know, we can use this guy. But did it feel a little bit like actually you didn't even need to do the impressions? I personally always felt like it was a lovely independent film that could have been made in Canada, could have been made in New Zealand. And we didn't ever want Martin to become successful. And it is kind of a poison chalice getting a second series because it's a dream. But we kind of felt like we had to sort of wrap it up a little bit on two. And then your ego gets involved and the channel turn around and say, we don't want a three. And you're like, cool, I'm all right with that. And then you just go and cry for a week. But I felt that we'd done everything we could with those characters. And I think we ended it really beautifully, but definitely we were, it's not the word done because I'm sure if you'd have sat down and mocked it up and done, but we knew that we were coming to an end on it all. And uh, so we made sure that it was completely wrapped up. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Martin was annoying. You know, he didn't stick up for himself. He didn't say anything. And we wanted to do something that was based in drama where, like in Mean Streets, where the gangsters fight like absolute rubbish and not everything goes to plan. And sometimes, you know, you just end a scene and you're like, what? You know, because the pigeon getting on a bus is what had happened to me when I was on the way there. Uh, Lots of things were taken from my actual life. So I think we'd sort of done it round about. Well, I think we'd done it as sort of we'd done two and we, we you'd come to the end of that journey. So I'm immensely proud of it. But yeah, it you could have easily done it without the voices. But what you've got there is what comedy drama does really well and if you go and look at something like this is england sometimes the comedy isn't even there it's just like oh no don't say that to him oh no don't give him the rope you know what i mean and that's what you had with my character going into an irish bar and stuff like that it was Mm. just like oh (laughs) what's happening bloody blah so it was very like an independent little short film if we could have made it into a film it might have been better suited. Who knows? These last two years, I've I've turned down a little bit of television impersonation work because I don't want to do down the good work that we did in the Mimic. And I'd rather turn up in Motherland uh, on BBC and go, they went that way uh, and leave. I think that you've either got to go all out to make 
you know, something like VIP uh, or something like Dead Ringers and to be incredibly stupid or you've got to hit the sincerity. But I don't think the sincerity has been hit as well as the mimic. You seem quite blasé about your skill as an impressionist in the sense that, you know, you've talked about, you know, you can either get it or you can't. And then you, you tend to do an impression, 15 seconds worth, move on, the next one. We talked about Dead Ringers just before we went live yeah. on this pod. I think I had one audition for Dead Ringers yeah. and then they never came back. And then the same people brought me back for the imitation game. Didn't, didn't get it. I, you know, I, I'm not going to diss any other Im- impressionist because everyone's got their merits and they all do things their own way. But if you couldn't get onto those shows, I'm, I'm fine that extraordinary. Let me ask you about where you're at with impressions now. Do you still find yourself delving into impressions? You're still, there are voices you hear and you suddenly think, hang on, I've got that, or giving it a shot. And, and who, are you, who are you doing currently? I'm very lucky to have voiceover agency that are pretty much on the blower every other week and they get me stuff. So I'm always learning stuff that's so obscure. So it keeps me sharp like that, but yeah. searching for new impersonations. I, I did Matt Morgan's podcast just before lockdown and uh, he said, have you thought about trying some new people? And I went, no. A friend of mine sat me down once and, and she said, it's a magic trick, Terry. Get rid of all your working class sensibilities of keeping your mouth shut. Do it. Make people smile and roll your sleeves up and have a go at it. And if anybody has a go at you, go back at them with somebody who, you know, you could do an impersonation. But I'm, I'm still doing them and I understand that they are powerful and I understand that people get a real kick out of it. What is that thing? I could never really understand it. And, and uh, you know, I, I see it in myself as a, an audience member. Someone does a great voice. And I'm just blown away by it. You know, you, you hear, we talked about Charlie Hopkinson, who suddenly hits you with a Mark Morgan Freeman. And he's got all yeah. of the texture of that voice. Yeah, yeah. And, and I yeah, think he's got oh, a slight lisp. He's, yeah. he's got it all. And yet there is that moment, there's that little oh, that frisson of, wow, great. And then, but what is it? Is, do you get that yourself when you hear another impressionist? Or do you ever get yeah. that from anything yeah. you've done for yourself? Do you suddenly think, shit, I'm, that was really, <laughs> really on the money? Because I, I listened to your Walken. You mentioned you do a Christopher Walken impression. I loved it. Uh, you, you didn't actually say anything hilarious. It wasn't about that. But again, I'm going back to your 2009 vid. It, it just seemed to me that, when you did that, I just, oh, yeah, something, something clicked. I get it all the time, yeah. With, mm. with, with, with other people, I get a real kick. The, yeah, there's uh, Shifer Bates, who's uh, really big on YouTube as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's amazingly spot on. So, yeah, I get a kick, and I always have to message them. I message them straight away, and I go, you know, you got the shining. I just got to let them know that, yeah. you know that they're really good because I know all the time I'm doing myself down. But, yeah, I did Alan Partridge, and I was waiting for my girlfriend to come out of work, and it did really well on Instagram and Twitter and went up to about 60,000, and I just yeah. didn't expect it to at all. But yeah. I'd done um, an audition for a play, about uh, Screaming Lord such, uh, and I didn't get it. But there was a bit where Alan Partridge was talking, so I learnt it for that. So I guess to go back and answer that question, yeah, I learnt Alan Partridge about two years ago, but never used it. 
You can use I'm it now. I, I mean, I'm I'm all ears. Uh, 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 well, you, uh, you, you say I could use it, but uh, you know, um, that's that's up to you. Uh, the, the sort of Rover A3, where the uh, glove compartments is ample, uh, but the lightage is dull. Uh, it just spent all day doing that, just walking around the house. Go, it's a kettle. I quite like it. <laughs> That's just Top Gear stuff, isn't it? Every, yeah. every, it's just these men that are Top Gear all the it, time. It's, it's great. It's a lovely impression, that. And you do put yourself down a little bit. I just don't care because I'm 45. And it's a wonderful <laughs> thing where you start going, do you know what? Screw it. I, I signed with a new agent and I just said, I don't think I want to do the imitation game. It's not my, it's not because I don't like it. I'm just not fast paced like that. And I don't want to be the gunfighter. I just would rather do voices on a podcast or waffle away and then chat for a bit. I want to do it at my pace now, really, because I don't think it works any other way. You, and, you don't you think know, uh, by showing that, ability with a with a, a voice several voices that it's an advertisement for other things that you can do that you're not showing at that point but you know here's a guy who can take any accent and do it maybe maybe but the world is so big now unless mm. you have a five million hit clip it isn't gonna go anywhere and there is a duty for you to create the comedy first and then create the impersonation. I don't think you're going to go very far if you're just mimicking in the world of comedy. And also, you have your go at it, and then you're like a fighter, and then you have to come back off it. Yeah. And you have to stop, and you have to think, you know, what makes me happy? What can I do? What can't I do? What's your kind of principal pursuit now? Is it is it voiceovers, or are you still looking for acting opportunities? I, I love the fact that I turn up and go home. And I and I live by the sea now. And yeah. I said, get, getting a little bit older. I, I know it sounds like I'm talking like I'm I'm going to die tomorrow. But if anything, it just makes you realise, God, I've got to get happy. And you do this thing where you move up the ladder all the time. You think, well, I do stand up for a bit, and then all I've got to do is get my five minutes away. And then if they like my five minutes, they give me fifteen. And then if that does well, I go to TV, and then maybe go up to Edinburgh and blah blah blah. And you have all these things set out. And then yeah. suddenly you realize you've been in the game for like 15 years and your whole life is ruled by whether you're, you've got a job or you're on the radio or you're on the TV. And I think that is a real dangerous way to be because if you look at people who are just starting out that aren't on the ladder at all, they'll go, well, how come you're moaning? You've had two series. So I work a lot, not an amazing amount but i work enough to keep the uh, uh to keep the you know uh, wolves at bay and i i have enough auditions that make me feel like i'm not losing the will and i've started on twitch tv which is you know got 700 million people i mean the world is changing and streaming is the way to go and i know a few actors that are on it now and uh, I'm loving the hell out of it. And uh, I go on there and I've done um, all the Eurovisions What in lockdown. I did uh, four Eurovisions from years ago and I redubbed them as Terry Wogan and the people that joined on the Twitch channel got to choose the song entries. And, you know, so I think things are moving in a different way for me and I'm not yeah. chasing TV down. I mean, I'm doing an audition right now for a big thing that's got an NDA written all over it. But if I don't get it, I don't care anymore. Mm. You know, 
I've been trying to drag you out a little bit of your shell. Could you just take me through your process? How do you go about finding a voice? So what I do is I listen to a clip for about a week straight or three days is my limit. And then I don't listen to it anymore. And then it is my job to walk around the house, driving uh, my cats, my girlfriend up the wall, trying to recreate it because that's what you've got to do. It's like learning to write with your, your opposite hand. Yeah. And sometimes I get it. And sometimes I think I can get it and I can hear it and I can't get it at all. It's funny that, isn't it? There's some voices that just suddenly click and it could even be a voice that you thought, I can't do this bloody thing. So I can't find the range. I can't find the, I can't find anything. And then three days later, there it is. Um, and there is some yeah. kind of magic that goes on where suddenly your brain has processed it and you, it's told you, you know, your throat, your, your voice box, how to, how to begin. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird Definitely. business that we're coming to the end of, I found this really fascinating because you're, Probably the first guest I've had on the show with a, a, a kind of a don't give a shit attitude about voices. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's great because your your stories oh, no. your stories really interesting, and and I am hearing things that reflect you know my own uh, approach. I, I just fell out of love with it. Really, I'm still I'm still interested. Listen, I'm doing a a podcast about it and I'm yeah, fascinated, of course. Yeah, yeah. you know, just fascinated by how people do what they do. And I've loved it. I've loved every second of it, but I, I don't feel any compulsion whatsoever to go back and do it. And I, you know, I've done the odd voice on the show, which from memory, you know, it's kind of that muscle memory mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But, if, but I have been asking everybody to test me out and give me any, uh, an impression that I'm going to try and learn live on this show now. I don't know if there's one you feel you could teach me. You could teach me anything, mate, because I've got no impressions. I was going to pick one that I always tried to do when I was performing Go on. and could not get near it, and that's Robin Williams. Oh, no, neither could I. I mean, yeah, I could only ever on. do the, oh, oh. That's all I could ever do was, oh. <laughs> you, <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, I've got it. Oh. Yeah, there you go. No problem. Oh, yes, no, no, no. But you just come forward and say, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really matter, but it's okay, but you're trying to be, because it's all right. Oh, what are we talking about? It was that sort of like, uh, but then, then I would have walked around just going, oh, oh, and then you can turn that into so many different things. Yeah, you can, you can. Well, give me another one. Let's, let's take one of your, your favorites in. Uh, strong chance I've never tried it or done it. And Oh, Alec Guinness. Go on. Remarkable windows, Mrs. Wilberforce. I like to think of the windows as the eyes of the house. And didn't somebody once say that the eyes are the windows to the soul? The eyes. I became obsessed. <laughs> the eyes are the windows. <laughs> I'm nowhere near it. The yeah, yeah. Eyes oh, well, hang on, pick, pick less, pick less. Go on, go on. Use the force, Luke. Use the force, Luke. Use the force, look. Use the force. <laughs> <laughs> as good as mine. I, I would reckon I'm. Uh, I'll give myself a five out of ten for that one. It wasn't. It wasn't awful. You got to come back to me in a week's time, walking around, going, look, 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 look. look I'm gonna. Stop. I think I'm gonna. More likely, be walking around, going, oh, oh, <laughs> think, oh, oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> Look, Terry Minot, this has been great fun. Very interesting. Oh, my pleasure. 
And thank you so much for joining us here on Making an Impression. I'd, I'd love to have you back and get you to 50 voices one after the other, but I'm guessing you probably wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. It's, been, it's been fascinating. And good luck with everything going forward. Thank you. you know, it's, uh, the, the, and the Twitch, incidentally, the Twitch TV thing, is there a, a channel people can find you on? or How, how does it Yeah, work? just, uh, uh, just twitch.tv forward slash Terry Minor. Or, or just look up Terry Minor on Twitch. It is free. There is nothing to do. And there is millions of stuff on it. 700 million people are watching it. And you can watch kittens jump up and down. You can watch somebody play a piano. Or you can watch a Chechnyan talk show. It is insane. Well, listen, I'm off to catch a Chechnyan talk show. But uh, in the meantime, thanks again. And uh, we'll see you next time on Making Impression. Goodbye. Goodbye.